Do you like free stuff? I do. BlueprintMCAT.com. Go sign up for a free account. Get access to Blueprint MCAT's Diagnostic, Blueprint MCAT's Full Length One, Blueprint MCAT's amazing brand new space repetition platform with over 1,600 flashcards already made for you, as well as their amazing study planner tool. Schedule out the content so you know if you are on track to take the MCAT when you need to. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com for all of those free goodies. The MCAT Podcast, session number 217. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Blueprint MCAT. The MCAT Podcast is free MCAT prep to help you understand the MCAT, teach you how to break down questions, and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com MCAT. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Next Step Test Prep, the MCAT Podcast is here to make sure you have the information you need to succeed on your MCAT test day. We all know that the MCAT is one of the biggest hurdles you'll face as a pre-med, and we're here to give you the motivation and information that you need to know to help get you the score you deserve so you can one day call yourself a physician. Welcome to the MCAT Podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week. As always, I'm joined by an amazing member from the Blueprint MCAT team. All of our great co-hosts are now part of the MCAT Live Online Instructor Crew. If you haven't checked out the new Live Online course over at Blueprint MCAT, go check it out, blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. We're continuing our breakdown of Blueprint MCAT Full Length 1, continuing our bio-biochem section with Passage 6, talking about genetics. Madeline back for another MCAT podcast recording with Blueprint Prep. How are you doing this week? I'm doing pretty good. What about you? I'm, happy I, to be done. <laughs> I'm doing excellent. I'm excited to to jump back into another bio biochem passage. And when I say I'm excited, I am definitely not excited at all <laughs> because bio biochem is kicking my butt, unfortunately. Awesome. I'll bring the excitement for us. <laughs> that is good. Um, so we just last, last week we did a set of discretes and again, just kind of knowing for the majority of students, probably discretes are going to be easier than passages. And then just that kind of like, okay, I ran downhill for a little bit, but now the next bit is going to be uphill again. And I got to get back into that mindset. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's a great, great way to describe it. You know, those discretes, I mean, they can be a breath of fresh air. And then when you hit the next passage, it's like, oh, back into the back into the weeds. But that being said, uh, it's still like a fresh start. It's still a new set. It's still a new passage. So in that case, like maybe it has to, to do with one of your strengths or maybe it has some questions that you could really kill. And so just because it's a passage, just because it's bio biochem doesn't mean necessarily that you're not going to you know, hit it um, with all that you got and maybe crush it crush it. Gotta love it. All right, let's jump into our passage today. And again, if you're listening to this in podcast audio form, we are recording for video as well on YouTube at premed.tv. So passage six, when you jump in. Cool. Yeah. And as we do to jump in, um, I am going to be reading it paragraph by paragraph. And then after we read the paragraph, we're going to be going back and highlighting the things that we think are most important. And this is a highlighting technique that I think 
is really useful because it allows you to uh, avoid highlighting everything and really just highlight the nuggets of information that are going to be important um, within that paragraph and to really cull that information to what's what's going to be useful. Nice. So that's how we're going to be going about this. All righty. Thank you. <laughs> Recent research was conducted into organellular DNA and cytoplasmic inheritance. Laboratory mice were observed over a few generations. First generation female individuals, as well as all the offspring of these ind individuals, presented with subacute necrotizing encephalomyopathy and lactic acidosis characteristic of Lay syndrome, a cytoplasmically inherited disorder. So here I would definitely highlight the first generation female individuals all the way through their, their offspring of these individuals as well. So it's kind of telling us who and what we're looking at. And then I would talk about, well, we have this syndrome, Lay syndrome, I'd highlight that and what it is, a cytoplasmically inherited disorder. And then just kind of going on. Okay. Some of the mice were transfused with genetically modified urethrocytes, which contain genetic code resulting in secretion of the compound EPI-743 into the blood plasma. EPI-743 has been shown to lessen the severity of Lay syndrome. Other mice were genetically engineered to contain the genetic code in gametes. Production of these gametes was observed at multiple stages through op optical mi microscopy, and the figure below reproduce this, these observations. So here I would just highlight, you know, we're looking at genetically modified urethrocytes. And specifically at these EPI-743, um, this, this compound. And that's kind of all I would do here because it's setting you up to, um, setting you up for the next, um, the results and what we're going to be looking at later. Yeah. The next paragraph, the researchers use the observations contained in the above to track time-based movement of and interactions between homologous chromosomes. Earlier research has indicated that a protein lattice known as the synaptomial complex is responsible for physical connection of paired homologous chromosomes at points known as chiasmata, and that this synaptomial complex is responsible for helping to limit double-strand breaks during meiosis to, to occurring between homologous chromosomes rather than between sister chromosomes. So here I would definitely say, okay, well, they're going to be doing a track time-based movement. So that's what they're going to be looking at. They're going to be looking at a protein called the synaptomial complex and looking for a physical connection. So what are they even looking at? And then that word chiasmata, I think is important. It looks like a new, new word that they're kind of wanting to, to compare to these homologous chromosomes. And then last, we want to do the limit double strand break. So what the point of, of kind of that complex is. And I think that's all I really highlight there. And that's the end of it. Um, they, they go into uh, four different figures, figure one, figure two, figure three, and figure four. And these are the, the results that they got from this, this time movement experiment where they followed things at one hour, 2.5 hours, and five hours all the way to seven, just to see the movement of these chromosomes. Other than that, I'm actually not going to go into these two in depth because when we do have figures associated with a passage, we want to give them a generalized overview, know what's happening, but we don't want to spend the time to analyze these two intensely. If they're asked about, we'll go back and we'll analyze them with pinpointed evaluated techniques. 
However, they may not even be asked about, so we don't really want to spend our time here doing that. Okay. Awesome. Cool. All right. Question 31. What is the most likely transmission mechanism for the passage of Lay syndrome from parent to child? A, cytoplasmically inherited RNA. B, cytoplasmically inherited transcription errors. C, mitochondrial DNA or D, nuclear DNA. All right, so Lay syndrome we kind of had it up above. Uh, the definition was, where'd it go? Um, End of that first paragraph. Yeah, there you go. Cytoplasmically inherited disorder. So, <clears throat> hmm. So what is the transmission between parent and child? So... The transcription errors doesn't make sense because the error already happened. So more transcription errors isn't going to cause the syndrome. And if that's what that's what I think that's saying. Um. So. Hmm. Do do so the. From parent to child. So mitochondrial DNA, we know mitochondria comes from the mom. Um, is that specifically what we're talking about here? Doesn't seem like Lay syndrome is specifically talking about mitochondria. Um, unless I missed something. Inherited RNA or nuclear DNA. This question seems like it's it's way too easy for me to be taking this long. It's basically saying how do we how do we um, pass down our information from parent to child? Like what what is the messaging in eggs and in semen that that actually gives our offspring their DNA? And it's half of our DNA right? Um, so nuclear DNA seems like it's the easy answer because that's what is in an egg and in semen that actually creates the kid. And I think that's one of the things that as we were looking through this, and and just like you said, I loved how you rephrased this question of, you know, we're just looking what is transmitted in lay, um, lay syndrome. It's going to be some type of, you know, DNA. I think that's the first thing um, to 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 actually hold on to is we inherit DNA pretty much. Yeah. Um, and so A and B, neither of these really talk about DNA. So we can cross out A and B. And you're looking now at C and D, which have to do with either mitochondrial DNA or nuclear DNA. So just like you said earlier in that first paragraph, it says cytoplasmically inherited. So nuclear actually isn't in the cytoplasm. Rather, the only thing between those two that can be in the cytoplasm is your mitochondria. mitochondria. Oh. So even if it's not talking yeah. about mitochondria throughout it, if we were able to do that kind of process of elimination, knowing we have to look at DNA and we have to have it somewhere in the cytoplasm, we could say, okay, it's going to be C here. And I think that you actually mentioned, you know, your mitochondrial DNA do come from your mothers. But if we look at that other part of what we highlighted in that first paragraph, where it says first generation female individuals, as well as all their offspring of those uh, of, of those individuals. So it does mention female. Uh, so 
just like you said, you know, your your female inheritor, your mother, it's going to give you the mitochondrial DNA. So when all those boxes are checked off, it's actually going to be C here. Ah, I missed. I missed some keywords there. So close. I know you had, I think you had it. I think you talked yourself out of it. Yeah. Uh, I think you just, I think you even said that, you know, this is, this seems a little lot easier than it should be. (laughs) And I think it was just, you know, you you had all the information. I think just applying it confidently of saying, I know cytoplasm, I know DNA, mitochondrial makes sense. Yeah. Got it. All right. Apparently you have to read and understand everything that you're reading to get these questions right. Got it. (laughs) All right, 32, go ahead. Cool. The researchers participating in the experiments described above were assigned to conduct new experimentation, also on Lee syndrome positive mouse specimens. As a precursor step, it was decided to create a new population of Lee syndrome positive mice. What would be the option most likely to be successful in creating this population? So basically, how I would reword this is they want to create Lee positive mice. How, how can they create lay positive mice? Yep. And when they are talking about, you know, lay syndrome in that first paragraph, that's the first thing my mind is drawn to. So before I even would go into the answer choices, I just go say, okay, lay syndrome, a lot of times the first generation has to be female and then you go to the offspring. Yep. So that's the only point where they really talk about the creation of this lay syndrome um, in an inheritance pattern. And so I would really lock onto those words of first generation female and then all of the offspring. So if I'm going through these and it says, A, induction of in- intentional mutations in the mitochondria of the pre-fertilization ova. Well, ova is going to be your eggs, which are from your female. And we already said that your this disease is going to be a mitochondrial one um, from that DNA, which only can come from the female. So A is already looking pretty good. But let's go to the rest of them. B, induction of intentional mutations in the mitochondria of pre-fertilization sperm cells. Sperm cells are from the father or the male participant. And here we already said female. So this one wouldn't make sense. Induction of intentional mutations in the mitochondria of either type of gamete. So here again, we said, well, sperm cells wouldn't make sense. We, we want it to be in the female uh, cell line and in specifically in their mitochondria. No. So it can't be either type. It has to be the female. C, so C, is, C is basically saying A and B are both correct. Yes, C is basically saying both of those are correct, but we already said B isn't correct, so C can't be correct. Got it. And then D, induction of intentional mutations in the mitochondria of the synaptomial complexes. So we kind of already talked about how if we want to induce this this cell type, we need to have an inheritance pattern from the female. Nothing in D talks about that. Um, In fact, the synaptomial complexes are complexes made out of the chromosomes and have nothing to do with the mitochondria. Yeah. and because of that, this one also cannot be right. So it's going to be question, I mean, answer choice A. All right. Nice. Seems easy enough there. All right. Then we get to question 33 and I, and I get all the hard ones. This is a Roman numeral one, which <laughs> I, I immediately like shiver when I see. Um, question 33, which of the following represent differences between growth of cell cultures containing cytoplasmic organelle disease versus genetic transmission of nuclear DNA from parent to offspring? Roman numeral one, meiosis containing, uh, meiosis maintains the genetic integrity of growing cell cultures while mitosis arranges nuclear DNA into a form which is transmissible to offspring. 
Roman numeral two, the process of arranging nuclear DNA in preparation for transmission to offspring is a cyclical process, while the growth of cell cultures is carried out by a non-cyclical process. Roman numeral three, growth of cell cultures requires transformation of diploid cells into haploid cells, while genetic transmission of nuclear DNA to offspring requires transformation of haploid cells into diploid cells. Wow. Okay. <laughs> like you read another passage. Yeah, it was almost as long as that whole, pla- the, that mm-hmm. whole passage. Um, so if we want to, to look at this... Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to stick with Roman numeral three because that's the one that kind of makes the most sense to me. So growth of cell cultures requires transformation of diploid cells into haploid cells, while genetic transmission of nuclear DNA to offspring requires transformation of haploid into diploid. I'm not sure Roman numeral three makes sense because genetic transformation of nuclear DNA to offspring requires diploid into haploid, not haploid into diploid, unless we're actually talking about when, like, fertilization, the the haploid goes to diploid. I'm so confused with that one. So I don't know what specific part they're talking about. But three, for some reason, screams that's backwards. So I'm going to leave it out for now. Looking at, and I'm sure maybe we can talk about some Roman numeral strategy that you have, because it seems like every instructor has Roman numeral strategy. Uh, What I've been told before is look at the answer choices and see which one is in there the most. Um, Unfortunately, (laughs) that doesn't really help. One is in there twice, two is in there twice, three is only in there once. Um, And there is a none of the above, which always freaks me out. So uh, I, I can't stand the fact that the answer could be nothing. So that, that one is, is scary. All right, so let's rephrase this question. I should have started there. Which of the following represent differences between growth of cell cultures containing cytoplasmic organelle disease, right? So that's talking about Lay syndrome versus genetic transmission of nuclear DNA from parent to offspring. Growth of cell cultures versus genetic transmission of nuclear DNA. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, I hate this one. All right, let's go back through one more time. Roman numeral one. Uh, meiosis maintains the genetic integrity of growing cell cultures, while mitosis arranges nuclear DNA into a form which is transmissible to offspring. Um, I don't remember that. So I'm going to skip to two. The process of arranging nuclear DNA in preparation for transmission to offspring is a cyclical process, while growing cell culture is carried out by a non-cyclical process. I don't know what that means either. Cyclical, non-cyclical. This is one where I would pick a choice and just move on because there's so many words here and it's very confusing to me. Um, And so this is a good example, right? For me, and and this is true, like I, I treat these 
um, these passages. I don't, I don't know these questions coming in. I'm reading these for the first time. Uh, the way that my brain works, it's very hard for me to organize all this information to, to get to a good answer. And so mm -hmm. I would, I would skip it and just move on. Cool. Um, I would actually say, don't just skip it. Always put an answer choice oh, yes. and always flag yeah. it. So yeah. just as a FYI flagging, um, we always say you should flag something if you feel like you, if you spent a little bit more time, you could maybe get it. So this is a perfect example of like, maybe this is too overwhelming, but you feel like if you had an extra two or three minutes at the end, you could come back and you could spend some time getting to it. So this would be a perfect place to guess, flag and move on. Yeah. So when we are looking at this, I think there's two things. Yes, that's a great strategy of choose uh, look at the answer choices real fast, choose um, the answer choice that comes up the most often. So here would be either one or two and evaluate that one first. This one isn't like a hard and fast rule. It's more meant to save time because it can allow you to basically skip some evaluation steps if you're able to pull through the answer choices a little bit more efficiently. So here the first thing is, is reverting the question. Basically, just like you said, the rewording of this question is just, hey, what's the difference between nuclear DNA transmission, so like meiosis, and then your mitochondrial transmission. Um, so what's happening with the, the uh, DNA in mitochondria? What's the difference here? Compare and contrast these. So what we would do is we'd go through these answer choices. I'm going to start with one because it comes up twice. And it says meiosis maintains the genetic integrity of growing cell cultures. I'm going to pause right there. What? This is actually incorrect. So even without reading the rest of this, meiosis maintains the genetic integrity Actually, meiosis is meant to not. It's meant to change things up, to add in some recombination, to add in some variation in, into the, the genome, basically. And so even without looking at the rest of this, in order for this answer choice to be correct, both, both parts of this Roman numeral have to be right. But one answer is, one part is already wrong. So that whole Roman numeral is wrong. Mm. Because of that, we can look at our answer choices and we can cross out A and B. So then we can go to number two. The process of arranging nuclear DNA in preparation for transmission to offspring is a cyclical process. Okay, well, what is the process of arranging nuclear DNA in preparation for offspring? Well, that's meiosis or meiosis. Is this cyclical? Not really, because we end with our haploid cells and they don't do it again. Yeah. So meiosis isn't a cyclical process. In fact, it's a non-cyclical process. Mm. So again, in this answer choice, until I don't even have to read the rest of it where it says, well, the growth of cell cultures is carried out by a non-cyclical process because I already know that this first part is incorrect. So both one and two are incorrect. If we look at our answer choices, all of them have to have one or two except for D. So I would, because of that, you don't <laughs> even have to evaluate number three and go into the kind of complicated, what is even happening thought process there. Yeah. And you could just choose D and skip your evaluation of three. So that's where that Roman numeral strategy comes in handy is it can help you save some time and some effort in kind of calling through all of those words. Yeah. Lots of words. Lots of words. <laughs> Too many words, but they're there. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So D, none of the above. I told you I hate the ones that have D because I don't want, I don't want unfinished. Yeah. I don't want. Yeah. I'm with you. I hated that one. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Cool. What aspects of single crossover events? Uh, oh, sorry. What aspects separate single crossover events from double crossover events? So before we even go into this, this is a perfect example of how prediction can really help you. Because if you know what single and double crossover events are, then you can go through these and say, okay, I know what this is. I know what that is. So let's let's just take a second to just talk about those because that's going to make this 
much easier to cull through. So single crossover event is basically where you have two strands of DNA next to each other. And they, um, in both their double-stranded forms, they kind of dissociate and two of the strands cross in order to have a combination of the two lines. A double crossover is where two things cross over. Um, so kind of exactly what it's saying. So we want to look for something that has one thing crossover versus two things. A, single crossover events result in one-way displacement of chromosomal content from one chromosome to another, while double displacement events always reverse the one-way displacement resulting in chromosome identical to the pre-crossover chromosomes. There are two things in this answer choice that scream, maybe not. Even though the process sounds right, where you have one thing crossing over and then two things crossing over, yep. there are two words in this. One, identical to the pre-crossover. Yep. Well, that doesn't make sense because crossovers are meant to add in genetic variation. So identical, that doesn't seem like that would ever be a process. Yep. And then the word always, always reverses this one this one-way displacement. It's also a really strong word. So even if you didn't quite know what was happening here, those two words just don't make sense in the context. So we could cross out A based on that. Okay. B, single crossover event occur during mitosis when a cell splits into two cells, while double crossover events can only occur during meiosis when a cell splits into four cells. Well, we kind of talked about how single crossover adds in genetic recombination. Uh, it's talking about adding a variation to our next generation. Mitosis doesn't have anything to do with the next generation. It has to do with who you are as a human being or as a cell right then and there. Yep. And so because that first part talks about a single crossover in mitosis, well, that's just wrong. That's, that's an incorrect uh, connection there. So we can actually cross B out for that reason. C, single crossover event affects only the ends of the chromosome arms, while double crossover events can affect segments in the middle of the chromosome arms. So here we're saying, if you cross over two of those strings and we're trying to visualize it mentally, some people might draw it out. It does make sense that once you cross them over once, the rest of it is gonna be different than when it started. But if you cross it over twice, you're just gonna have that weird segment that has been changed, but then everything else is gonna be in its natural kind of pairing. So C is making sense so far. And then D, single crossover events only affect one arm of each chromosome while double, cro double crossover events affect two arms of each chromosome. So in this one, both single and double crossover events will only affect one arm of each of the chromosomes. Neither of them affect both arms. So that's kind of an incorrect fact as well. So based on all of that, C is going to be our correct answer, wherein single crossover events affect only the ends of the chromosome arms, while double crossover events can affect segments in the middle. So this is a pretty, I would say, conceptual and content-heavy question uh, because it you have to know the difference between the two. Yeah. Definitely. It, it seemed like this passage, um, at least the questions were very kind of pseudo discreet where you have to bring in yeah. a lot of outside knowledge. Um, yeah. the, the single crossover, double crossover wasn't specifically defined in the passage. Um, mitosis, meiosis, like you have to know what those things are, where, where they're important, uh, haploid, diploid, uh, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff you're bringing in from the outside. So, um, this is where it, for, for students who kind of s skip a lot of content review, but use full length exams for, um, for practice, this is where review comes in handy and go, okay, I need to go learn all of these things. Let me go learn these before I move on because these are obviously important things that the WMC wants me to know. 
Absolutely. And even if like you don't have somebody telling you that this is pseudo discreet or not or content based, but that's a really good reviewing technique wherein you cover up all the answer choices. Um, if you get something wrong, cover up all the answer choices and which ones were right and explanations and try to answer why the correct answer is correct on your own without using the crutch of blueprint or whatever test company gives you that information. And if you're able to get to the right answer just using logic or reasoning, then you know that there's a gap in your reasoning skills. However, if you reach a brick wall of content, you suddenly know like that is that that's my issue is content because there's two main kind of issues when we're talking about uh, basically hitting the exam, reasoning uh, weaknesses and content weaknesses. And it can be hard to decide or distinguish between which one is yours, if your content or your reasoning. And this is a really good strategy to say, okay, if I can work through it and find a reasoning pathway through the passage, then maybe that's what my weakness is. But if I hit a brick wall, it's content and this is the content. And so now you know it, you identified it and you can address it. All right. So there you have it. Again, that was Blueprint MCAT full length one. BioBioChem Passage 6, you can get full-length one for free by signing up for a free account over at blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. And while you're there, go check out the new live online course that Blueprint has to offer. Again, go check them out, blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. Have a great week. We'll see you next time here on the MCAT Podcast. This is MedEd Media.